From the perspective of speed and responsiveness of automation, the process industry's packaging, paper, plastics, and textile manufacturing applications are among the most challenging. Conveyors, continuous sheets, and webs are moving faster than ever, even as the volume of real-time data needed to feed industry's digital transformation ambitions continues to mount. So, how can a maker of industrial networks and I.O. systems that make all this happen continue to keep pace with the mounting demands of end users and machine builders? Well, we're here today to find out. Hi, this is Keith Larson, editor of Control Magazine and ControlGlobal.com. And welcome to this Solution Spotlight episode of our Control Amplified podcast, today sponsored by Wago. With me today to talk about the pressures to perform that these trends place on automation suppliers is Charlie Noyers, product manager for IO Systems with Wago USA. Welcome, Charlie. A real pleasure to chat with you today. Hi, Keith. Yeah, thanks for this opportunity. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Uh, we go way back, probably further back than I'd care to acknowledge to most of our listeners. So it's a real pleasure to chat. <laughs> That's been a while. <laughs> Enough of that. But over the past several years, just the last few, uh, more and more machine I.O. has been migrating out of the protection of control enclosures and onto machines themselves, really closer to the action and the tough conditions that often entails. What technologies and product features do you see have made this migration possible? And what are, what are the benefits to be gained by both machine builders and end users? Yeah, I would say that uh, the migration of I.O. from the control panel to the machine has been made possible by networking technologies that can both reduce the cost of distributed I.O. while increasing system performance. So things like Ethernet-based distributed I.O. is one factor. And with the high rate of adoption of Ethernet, the hardware is very economical. These devices also offer low latency of data that is required for more and more applications, as you mentioned. And also we have seen that like IO link is becoming uh, more accepted for sensors and actuators and many other industrial components. And the benefits of IO link include high performance with a bonus of device health data that can be used to increase productivity. In this age of digitalization, end users are implementing strategies to take advantage of device data to help them with increased uh, production rates mm -hmm. while reducing downtime and, of course, increasing quality. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Everybody's looking for more ways to diagnose potential problems and, and head things off before they become real headaches, aren't they? Yeah, that's the name of the game, right, of uh, increasing uptime. Absolutely. The, your I.O. system field or WAGO's I.O. system field also features Bluetooth connectivity, which I think is, I think yours is among the first I.O. modules to include that. But it's obviously another one of those up and coming technologies similar to I.O. Link. What new possibilities does Bluetooth bring bring to the party for, for you? Well, yeah, I think that uh, Bluetooth is very interesting. Obviously, everybody's used to using mobile applications in their daily lives. But, you know, remote devices like sensors and actuators are becoming smarter all the time. And using technologies like IO-Link, instruments now provide a wealth of information in real time about what it's measuring as well as about itself. So this also means that these devices are becoming more complex, requiring configuration during commissioning. Mm -hmm. So we've added Bluetooth to our IP67 rated uh, distributed devices so that technicians and engineers can stand in line of sight of the IO block and the sensor while using their cell phone or tablet to configure the device or to monitor the data in real time. 
So this is much more convenient than trying to commission a device over a wired network from an engineering station a few rooms away. And we see that using a mobile app to configure or monitor real-time data helps speed commissioning and troubleshoot. Yeah, it makes sense too, because if you have to tap into some connections that are hardwired, you know, it kind of defeats the IP67 purpose if you happen to be in a running environment, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that network, uh, being able to communicate over networks is a big plus, right? So you can be in a single room and see what's going on in your plant floor. But mm -hmm. when you have to get out there and configure a particular uh, sensor, right, it's much easier to do standing in front of it. And why not do it with a, a mobile app to help you with that configuration? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Another key aspect of I.O. system flexibility is in the variety of options available for connecting to field devices. Are there any significant usage trends among the device connectivity options preferred by users, machine builders? You mentioned I.O. link. Any other uh, aspects of that? Yeah, well, I would say that, you know, no surprise that uh, traditional industrial field buses like Ethernet IP and Profinet are most commonly used for distributed I.O. Mm -hmm. However, we are seeing more users moving to OPC UA and MQTT for SCADA and even cloud-based applications. These two protocols offer benefits for IoT applications and are becoming the de facto standard for plant floor to enterprise connections. So I'm saying that, you know, we're seeing users use a lot of traditional field bus, but they're also converging with that IT layer and using things like uh, OPC UA. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of consistent with the, the more open architecture concept of having that second uh, parallel pathway um, up, up to either enterprise systems or industrial IoT type of applications for non-control, non, you know, where you where you don't worry as much about the latency sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's best to use the, you know, the right tool for the job. So mm -hmm. for real-time plant floor applications, they really want to use industrial field buses. You know, it's optimized for that work. Yeah. And then things like UA and MQTT has a lot of benefits for going up to a cloud or a SCADA system. Yeah. Don't some of these more sophisticated networks suck up more, more power as well? Have you done anything to accommodate that demand? Yeah, I haven't really seen, I mean, as far as the networking or communication platforms, I don't know that they're pulling a lot more, you know, power from the devices. I think that both offer speed. I think things like OPC UA and MQTT have the benefit of maybe caching data. So if you have a disconnected connection to the cloud, right, that that data still can get there. Um, it just might go in a bigger batch. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. In addition to device connectivity, there's another, I guess, range of decisions to be made when it comes to that top side connectivity. Are there differences in uh, different methodologies for connecting from the I/O modules up into the the uh, other systems? Yeah, you know, as we see uh, that top side connectivity is becoming more important, we are enabling our IP67 distributed I.O. with both the traditional field buses and OPC UA capabilities. So, at, you know, like you mentioned, PLCs and HMI can utilize real-time information for their basic control functions via Ethernet-based field buses, and higher-level top side systems can exchange data via OPC UA at the same time. And in this way, the data can be routed uh, at the same time to multiple systems and the systems can use the protocols that they prefer. 
very, very capable <laughs> little devices, that's for sure. With the decided move towards converged IoT, ITOT architectures that feature Ethernet-based protocols, including IP-addressable I.O. modules and the risks that can represent, how do you go about ensuring that those devices remain secure from, from cyber threats? Yeah, that, that's um, definitely a good question. You know, <laughs> network security is paramount today for plant floor devices. Uh, we recommend to our customers to use defense and depth methods to help them prevent cyber attacks. Mm -hmm. And a good start is really to zone the plant floor into networks in order to isolate systems. Mm -hmm. uh, a second thing is to look at all your networking devices to see how you can reduce risks by reducing physical and network access. So, for example, using Wago's lean managed switches in lieu of unmanaged switches enables users to turn off unused ports to help reduce unwanted access to a network. Um, lean managed switches can also enable users to set up rules that only allow approved devices to be used within a network. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it's just not possible to, um, you know, to control your networking so, um, or network cables. So in those situations where it's not possible to secure the cable, uh, we would recommend to encrypt the plant floor data using a technology like MaxSec security. Okay. Well, talk of uh, MQTT and cloud connectivity for an I.O. module certainly makes me Makes sense from a perspective of emerging industrial IoT applications, but how do you make sure that those secondary communications don't bog down the primary business of real-time execution? I think you touched on that earlier, but maybe a little more detail on how that works. Yeah, I would say as the trend for uh, digitalization of plant floor is in full swing, you know, it would seem that sending real-time data to the cloud would be necessary. However, many users have found out that sending all of their plant floor data to the cloud is unproductive and it's really expensive. So we're seeing architectures are now being designed with edge of network devices that are on premise to contextualize and summarize data before it is sent to the cloud. Mm -hmm. So these edge devices are running analytics locally to reduce latency as well as reducing data storage costs. And by only exchanging abridged data with the cloud applications, the amount of data transmitted and stored is greatly reduced. And the information that is sent to the cloud is enriched so that um, those top site applications still function with a high rate of performance. And uh, Wago does offer a line of edge devices that are used as gateways between the real-time platform networks uh, with the cloud applications. So those those edge gateways really take, uh, take some of that load off of the I.O. modules themselves are, are computational there and then kind of are, are go between on up to the uh, to the cloud applications. Yeah, definitely. I think they see these edge devices of being able to manage that real time data and um, run analytics in real time and then uh, summarize that information, you know, at, at slower intervals to send it up to the cloud. All right. Great. Great. Well, it certainly seems that you've. Uh, Got a very flexible and very capable new line of uh, IP67 uh, products. Is there a particular URL you can refer to if people want more information on, on these products? Yeah, you can probably just head to our website at uh, wago.com and um, you can see our new field devices right on our homepage. All right, great. Well, thanks so much, Charlie, for sharing your perspective with us today. For those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. Thanks also to Wago for sponsoring this episode.
My name is Keith Larson, and you've been listening to a Control Amplified podcast. My guest today has been Charlie Norris of Wago. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe at the iTunes Store and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can find the full archive of past episodes at controlglobal.com. Thanks again, Charlie. I really appreciate you joining me. Yeah, thank you, Keith. All right. Signing off until next time.